The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Tremendous change can start with one small act, something as small as a broken window. That broken window can be one act of crime, one act of neglect, one act of hate. One broken window opens the door to many more, and the shattered glass at this house starts to shout the self-fulfilling story of a broken street. Before we know it, reality begins to bend around this new perception. This distorted environment starts producing refuse it never had before. Value drops, poverty rises, homelessness moves in. Broken homes and families, abandoned wives, mothers and children. Gangs, violence, murder, and a drug epidemic taking more lives than we can count. Word begins to spread from conversations to a headline to a full-blown narrative. And finally, we're branded with the ugly nicknames and a repulsive reputation. The condition of the street spread to the block, transmit to the community, and infect the entire city. And from one broken window, we're now left with a broken city. Well, tremendous change can start with one small act. So that's where we start, with small, singular acts of goodness. We fight neglect with care. We combat crime with service, and we battle hate with love. We mend, repair, rebuild, one window at a time. As God's hands and with Him on our side, we serve, give, and live for our city, believing that the tides can and will be reversed. Believing that we are the catalyst that transformed this city, healed, mended, restored, made new. We stop the trash talk, flip the script, change the conversation. We rewrite the headlines and recreate the reputation our city will carry. God is for our city. The church is for our city and we are for our city. Did anybody else recite that? I do. They, they try to tell me that that dude would be a tough act to follow. <laughs> One small act and two big ears. That's all I see when I see myself on the camera. Anymore. I was like, bro, you got some big ears. I just feel like when I'm on stage, when I turn my head, all y'all should be like, in the Holy Ghost. Like, just, <laughs> what kind of church they having in there? My wife, a couple weeks ago, she comes into the house. She don't even tell me about her day. She just walks in and she's like, did you know? What, baby? What? 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 Did you know that a McDouble is not a double cheeseburger? And she's a cheese carnosaur, so that's why it hit home to her. But it's not. See, you may not know this. The double cheeseburger was probably the best value on the dollar menu. It was on the dollar menu before. And then somewhere down the line, McDonald's was like, hey, look over there. And they went out of their way to make this new sandwich called a McDouble. And you know what the difference is? A piece of cheese. <laughs> and we ain't talking about Gouda. We're not talking about Swiss. We're talking about a piece of rubbery American cheese. Like, I'm totally convinced now that if the clown from It is Pennywise, the clown from McDonald's is Penny Pinch. Like, we, we've been giving our money to this clown our entire life. Like, what do I got to do to earn the Lifetime Achievement Award? Give me my piece of cheese. But that's big business, right? Listen, if you're traveling for the holidays, you're flying somewhere, be careful which airline you pick, especially if you got some digestive issues, because I, I heard about a particular airline that is taking out some of the toilets to put in more passenger seats. Yeah, so they improve their bottom line and we keep our bottoms, well, we gonna hold it. 
Or you know one of your favorite department stores? It's intentionally designed, laid out like a corn maze. It's intentionally designed to keep you trapped in there. Why? Because by lap number three, on your way out, you're like, I didn't see that the first three times, and I need it in my life. Come on, like, when you hear this, these big billion-dollar businesses, and, like, they're still pinching to get our money, like, you feel scammed and cheated. And maybe, maybe that's the light side of it. Maybe that's not as difficult to deal with, because, honestly, we just make up for that piece of cheese with napkins and ketchup packets anyway. We got a whole drawer of them in our refrigerator. We're going to make them pay. But when you hear something like a major bank creating, this is all true. And I, I had to say McDonald's because as soon as I say Mick, you know who I'm going to talk about. I promise I'm not going to throw no shade. I'm not going to use anybody else's names today. I'm just going to say this scenario. But when you hear about a major bank creating false accounts but using your account to do it. So now you got two identity theft targets floating around out there simply to make more money. Like, this is an institution we trust our money to. And they're doing fraudulent things to take more of our money. When you hear about a pharmaceutical company raising the price of its life-saving medication, like the medication that somebody needs right now or they're going to die, raising the price of that thing 400% for quality assurance. I'm sorry, I meant quantity assurance. And then you think about something, this is everybody's so you think about something like minimum wage. 1968 was the last time the minimum wage was an actual amount that could keep up with a cost of living, 1968. And if we would have followed that trend from 1968 to now, you know what minimum wage would be? It would be over $20 an hour. $20 an hour, I will flip both patties, put one piece of cheese on that bed for $20 an hour? But listen, we, we know this is true. Like, this is our life. We see in our lifetime, we see this giant corporate fist, like, clenched with greed and selfishness and cruelty, and it's just, just smashing down, and we're either part of the fist or we're getting hit by it because that's who it crushes, people. Not dollars in bank accounts. It crushes people. And so if you're here today and you hear that kind of thing and you either don't care because you say this is life, this is reality, nothing's going to change it. No one person can beat the powers that be. Or maybe you're heartbroken by it or a little ticked off. Listen, if you are, if you're bugging out about it, you're in good company. See, we've been looking throughout this For Our City series in the book of James. James was believed to be the brother of Jesus. And don't forget, Jesus is 100% God, but he also lived the life of 100% man. He had to wait in line for the one restroom like the rest of us. King on the throne. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> James, he's a pastor, and he sees this kind of issue. This isn't a 2017 issue. This is a lifelong issue of power and position and possession, taking advantage and crumbling and pressing down on people to drain them, to get what they want. He saw the same issue, so he addressed it. He stepped to it, and we're in James chapter 5 today. You can follow along. It's going to be up on the screen. Here's where he starts. Verse 1, he says, look here, you rich people. And let me stop. If you pulled up in the parking lot in a Bentley today, you are welcome here. And it's not because we about to take up another miracle offering. All right, welcome home. All right, the money is not the issue. Some of the most kindest and compassionate people I know 
have wealth. And I honestly believe that's why they have it, because of who they are in their heart, not because of what they have in their bank account. They have literally stepped into my family's life and saved us at times we were in our darkest. So it's not the money, all right? All good things come from God, everything. We learned that in chapter one in James. All good things come from God. So it's not the money, it's the problem. He says, look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver corroded. All these things are just earth. He says, the very wealth that you were counting on, basing your life on, planning your education on, your career on, who you're, who you're cutting off and who you're running over, like the very wealth that you were counting on will eat away at your own flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. One of the big companies that we gave our money to on Friday, on Black Friday, we all did, and we'll continue throughout the holiday. One of these companies, hopefully things have changed. That's what we want to assume. We want to assume the better. Maybe things have changed, because this was a couple years ago. So in 2014, this business made 29, I'm sorry, $19 billion. They pocketed and made $19 billion. This company has 1.4 million US employees. They made 19 billion, there are 1.4 million employees, the average employee has to live off of, their employee has to live off of around $4,000 of government paid assistance. Food stamps, rent, medical, you name it, all right? So the company from that $19 billion takes 7.5 billion of that, that money, right? And they're gonna do something with it. Now let me break it down for you so you see this. Remember, there are employees living off of $4,000 of assistance. That $7.5 billion was enough to give $5,000 more a year to each of their employees off assistance and raise you one. But did they do that? Nope. They took that $7.5 billion and they bought back shares of their own stock so it would raise its value. So not only did they just put it in their pocket, they said, let me first go find me some Armani pants and put them bad boys on and I'm going to put it in that pocket. Now listen, they're a business. That's not illegal. They're allowed to do that. But the question that I'm searching and digging at today is, why would you not want to give? You got billions. How much do you need? Let me continue. In verse 4 he says, Listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated out of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields, who drive your forklifts and clean your restrooms and scan your products. Hear their cries. They have reached the ears of the Lord of the heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury and satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself. It's talking about like a cattle, like getting ready to slaughter. You've fattened yourself. You've, you've bought back your own stock. You've put it back into your own pocket. You've condemned and you've killed innocent people who don't resist you. I, I heard this actually narrated, this, this spirit, this attitude towards people. I've heard it expressed. I was in a conversation one time with the owner of a restaurant and we were talking about downtown Hagerstown and making it better and the things we can do to improve it. And he, he said that it would be a better place if an economic wave would just sweep downtown and wash away all the debris. He's not talking about trash and broken bottles. He was talking about 
people. Like people are just some expendable, disposable little pouch that we can stick our straw of desire in and drain it like a Kool-Aid pouch and then when they're all shriveled up with poverty and worthlessness, just toss them in on to the next one. You're saying you're leftovers. If you're no value to me, get out of my way. See, this kind of cheating and stealing from people, misusing our power and our position and possession, it's despicable. But honestly, it's, it's not the worst that mankind can do. Attacking our money or our livelihood is not the worst we can do. See, the truth is that Greed at somebody else's grief and excess at somebody else's expense and pain at somebody else's pleasure is at its worst in our lifetime right now in something called human trafficking. And the worst of them is human sex trafficking. The very idea and the very belief that somebody believes in their power, that they can purchase a human soul like a bird in a cage or a hamster on a wheel and defile their body and destroy them any way they see fit is beyond evil. And that's the worst of our selfishness in this world we live in today. And if you're wondering how we're doing in this area, in this issue of trafficking in Maryland up to June this year so far, so we got more stats to go. There's been 61 reported cases of trafficking and 49 of them are sex trafficking. So maybe you're like, okay, good. Thank you, Spence. I needed that because I was just about to submit my application to this trafficking ring. Thanks for changing my life. No, I, I get it. We're not, that's not something that we would work for, but my question today, and this is a tough question and I'm only gonna stay on it briefly, because it's difficult and it's a whole other sermon in itself, but my question today is, are we already working for this industry? Because if sex trafficking is the fire, then pornography is the fuel. Think about it. Pornography is the purchasing of sex. Human trafficking is the purchasing of sex. Pornography is advertising. It creates the demand to have the real thing. There's a market for it visually. Now there's a market for it physically. Every time we click on, we view, or we purchase pornography, we are advertising and advocating for something like human trafficking. And so you come here today and you're thinking, well, I know, but I'm not, I'm not trying in any way to begin an underground human trafficking ring. And no, I'm not about to white collar mastermind some corporate money scheme. But if those are the worst of the worst, if they're at the top of the most despicable acts of mankind, if they're at the top, if we tug on the cord where they come from and we follow it just a little bit, you go down a little far and you'll see that there's something like a, a political party buying votes, our votes. You go a little further and you'll find a judge taking a bribe from a private penitentiary. Go a little further and you'll find, guess who, 100%, you'll find a pastor 
taking advantage of somebody's vulnerability. You go a little further, you'll find a 250-pound running back beating his wife. You go a little further, you'll find a Hollywood star sexually harassing an intern. You go a little farther, you'll find a gang member shooting up an open, open public building because there's a rival gang member there. You go a little farther, you'll find an addict stealing from their own family to get a fix. You go a little farther, you'll find a parent locking a child in a closet. Go a little farther, you'll find something as simple as the older sibling always using their size advantage to take the last Pop-Tart or get the front seat and you go a little farther and they'll take it to the nursery and you'll find a toddler ripping the toy out of another toddler's hands. Sure, we may not be at the top at what we might want to call the worst, but the cord that begins it all runs straight to our very conception where the sin that we're born in leads us to become the kind of people who say, give me that bumper sticker that says he who dies with the most toys wins because this life is all there is, so I have to get what I can, take what I can, be all I can, and sorry, hashtag not sorry, if your life has to pay for it. This is who we are. Happy Thanksgiving. And when James is addressing this, it's like he's talking to two groups. He's talking to this group over here. Man, you guys are headed towards this. This is what you're doing. And it's like he turns. In verse 7, it's like he turns and he talks to somebody else. In verse 7, he goes, but dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait on the Lord. It's like, it's like they've been let in on a little secret that these guys don't know about. What, what is the secret? What is the way out of this trap that we live in where we rob, steal, and kill from each other just to get ahead? Well, what is it? What's the secret? Listen, maybe you're thinking that today. What is it? And I'm telling you today, God will reveal it to you today if you're willing to internalize with eternal eyes. You can write that down if you want. Internalize with eternal eyes. What do I, what I mean by that? Let me continue in the verse here. He says, consider the farmer... The farmers who, who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient and take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Or he says, look eagerly for the valuable harvest to ripen. Same way that a farmer knows that this seed is not all there is. And that they, they plant it in the ground and it doesn't end there. That's why we get planted in the ground when we die, because our life is a seed. And he says they eagerly look. They know that this life is not all there is. They know that there's something bigger and something better and something more valuable coming to them so they can be patient and content and at peace with who they are, what they have, whether great or little. They don't have to live in a selfish feeding shark tank frenzy or a dog-eat-dog contest. They know there's something else that they're headed towards. They know there's something else greater coming to them. Listen, what God wants you to internalize today is that there is an eternity. There's an eternity of life, or there's an eternity of destruction. There's an eternity beyond the 50, 60, 80 years we have right now. And God's different from us. What we do is we, we steal and rob and kill each other to take what we want, Jesus gave up his own life to give us what we don't deserve. 
And today the little secret is that you can receive eternity today or you can refocus your eyes eternally on what you have. Today, if you're here and you're not sure about where your eternal destination is, I'm going to tell you right now, in an instant, you can know. Simply to believe in and put your faith in Jesus, the one and only Son of God, coming to this earth, taking a cross that was mine and was yours, being buried and raised again, and saying, yes, Jesus, I want that, will seal your eternity in heaven with him in an instant, today. And you can make that decision today. Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. Good Friday was the first Black Friday because when Jesus stepped into the black of hell, he did it to give us an offer we can't refuse. It's called the buy one, set one free. And that's what you can have today. Free from this trap of being in a rat race, clawing your way to the top. And then once you've made that decision, This verse 8 says, you too, be patient. Take courage to come unto the Lord is near. Once you have put your faith in Jesus, now you can live in your destination and not your origination. We originated in sin. We originated that way, and it grows us into the kind of people who scheme and rob and use and abuse. But when we're redeemed by Christ, we do not have to head that way anymore. And we don't have to live in the same mindsets and the same habits and the same philosophies and the same things we've been taught by our culture to get ahead. And as a matter of fact, once we're given eternal life, once we know we have heaven and we don't choose to live the ways of it now, it's like a beer commercial I saw. In his beer commercial, and I, again, I'm not picking on beer. It's a different sermon. Come back later, all right? We're not going there, all right? In his beer commercial, it takes place in the middle, in the medieval times, right? In a dungeon. You've probably seen it. In a dungeon, all right? And this dude comes running back into the dungeon, slamming the iron door shut, comes in. He's got a case of beer. And there's a whole bunch of people locked up. There's a dude lying on a torture table. And he comes in. He's divvying out beers, and he's giving them out. And the guy on the torture table is like, you, you escaped? You got out of here just to get beer and come back? And he's like, yeah. And he's holding his beer as he puts himself back in his own chains. That is us not living in our eternity. We have the freedom and we have the power of eternity over all these things that our world tells us we have to have. And when we don't live in that mindset and that faith, it's like putting ourselves back in our own chains just to hold a beer or a Coke or food or sex. You can put in there anything you want. Listen, when you... When you know that you're headed to Disney, you don't wait till you get there. You put the Mickey ears on a minute, you get in the van, you're excited, you know what's coming. That's what we have. We live in it now, we clothe ourselves in it now, we put on that mindset of it now, and it eliminates us from having to survive and use people to get what we need or what we want. Jesus taught about this in, in Matthew chapter six. Verse 19, he said, don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth. 
Don't focus on the upgrade. Don't invest your life in the investment. And surely don't steal or cheat people just to get more. He's saying, don't store up for yourself this stuff. They're going to be destroyed by moss. Thieves are going to break in. You're going to be hacked in your Equifax. Like, don't, don't worry about this stuff. He said, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You know what he's saying? He was saying this life, this life is the warm-up jersey. This is the little shirt that you put over top of your, your uniform that you're about to play in. And yeah, it may feel like the game. You're out here, you're shooting around. There's a clock running. There's cameras. There's music. You know, and, and you're, you're taking shots, but nobody's keeping score. You can't go over to the score table and be like, yo, how many layups did I hit in warm-ups? Like, nobody cares. Nobody's keeping count of that. Eventually, this warm-up clock is going to run out, and the eternal clock that never ends is going to begin, and that's where the shots count. So do we out here in warm-ups not do anything? Do we not care? No, you do. You're going you're to play the way you practice. So you live this life to your best, but knowing it's going to count for the game, not now. Let it go. If Matthew 19... Is the warning of this. He, he gives the consequence a little later, but like God, God's trying to tell us, you're not coming here every week or whatever church you go to to learn how to be a better person. God is not trying to improve this earth. Like this is, I'm going to get to it. This is not what For Our City is about. Surprise. We're not trying to make a better city. I'm going to get to it. You're not here to be a better person for this planet. Because no parent trains their child to be a stay-at-home son. You better get out of here. You're training them to leave. God is equipping you to be ready for what is coming next. Not to stay here and try to help a useless planet that he's going to destroy. He gives the warning, like, don't live your life this way in Matthew chapter 6. And then a little later... In the Gospel of Luke, he gives the consequence. He tells this story about the rich fool. And Jesus narrates his dialogue. He's, he's speaking from what the man was saying. And I, I know I've picked on a couple of places, talked about money and, and companies. and so I'm going to be fair. I'm going to pick on my own. In, in no culture, in no subculture, is the glorification and the hunger for possession and, for, and, and, and to have and at any cost, is it any more glorified than in the hip-hop culture? That's the culture I come from. It's no more glorified anywhere else than there. And I feel like when I hear Jesus talk about the beginning of this story and he's sharing what this man is saying about his life and his arrogance and what he's going to do with his money, it sounds like a rap song. It sounds like he's straight up saying, I get money, I get cash, you see green all on me like you watching MASH. I don't dip my hand in. I dive in and I splash. I open my market up. Stock market going crash. I got the dope game on smash. When I used to be robbing old folks and making a dash and the fight for cash, I'm the top contender. Don't say my name. Just say, hey, big spender. Because I caught me some this and I caught me some that. And this is that ice and that is that jag. Or maybe that maybe with the curtains and back. I'm currently getting currency. You be certain of that. I only point to the numbers like the hands on the clock. Just call me Tostito, because I dip in that guap. But in this man named Christ, he said to come to the light, 
I told him, wait till I get my money right. Excuse me, are you saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. This money is all that makes me something. You take it away from me and I'll be nothing. So I'm going to keep my hustling. The paper says, God, we trust, but the paper is all I trust in. Shall I proceed with my greed? I believe in the almighty, but almighty dollars my creed. That's all I need to take me higher. So I'm going to stack enough up that I could twice retire. But now I'm hearing this voice. It's burning like fire. It says, you fool. Today your soul is required. That's what Jesus describes in the story. This man, he plots out his life about all his dreams and his aspirations. He plans his life out, his degree and his career and all this. And I'm going to make this amount of money and I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build these barns. And I'm, I'm basing my life on possessions and things are now. And Jesus says, he tells the story. He says in verse 19, he says, I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored up for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will have everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. When I think about this story and this man's life that Jesus is talking about, and then I, I'm researching, I'm putting things together, and, and, and I see the connection between like pornography and, and human trafficking. And I can't help but see this story actually lived out in an actual person's life. And recently this year, someone in the uh, adult media, the pornography world passed away. And again, I don't wanna throw out names. You can probably put the pieces together because whether it's in Hollywood or Hagerstown, people are people. And they all need Jesus. But this person passed away a couple months ago, and I found an article about a, uh, that a journalist wrote. He hung out with him a little bit during the last couple years of his life. And the story that he paints is just the opposite of everything we've come to know about this individual. When he spent time with him at his mansion, it wasn't a palace of pleasure. It wasn't a fortress of fantasy, it was, it was faint. And it's all kind of captured in this one quote that he says about him. Again, this was, this was a man who built an empire on objectifying people. It was a man who spared himself no pleasure, surrounded himself with women, sex, build up money. Sounds like the dream. But this is what that journalist said about him. He says, gone was the flamboyant womanizer. And in his place, a slightly shrunken elderly figure, wobbling a bit as he walked. 
burying himself in mounds of litter that meant nothing to anyone except him. Listen to this. The man I found that afternoon was fragile, lonely, slightly sad, perhaps incapable of achieving real intimacy even as he must have craved it. And this story that Jesus is telling, when this man achieves everything he wanted, whether he clawed his way to the top or he used people to get there, however, when he's finally there, look what he says to himself. He says, then I will say to myself, my friend, who's he talking to? Who's his friend? Himself. He's alone. There ain't nobody there. He had everything and he had nothing. God gives us eternity. We have a home, a glorious home waiting for us in heaven if we have our faith in Jesus. But you know the kind of God he is along the way? He gives us blessings. Think about Thursday. Think about who sat around your table. God gives us blessings, and sometimes they're material, they're money, they're gifts, they're possessions. Whether it's a, a meal at a soup kitchen or you got a membership at a country club, it's all from God. But the greatest thing he gives us, after, after a home in eternity, the greatest blessing that God gives us is people. What would you trade the people you love for? What would you trade them for? And it's not just the people that we care about, people. People are not debris. They're a precious gem to God. And this whole thing about for our city, it, it is not, it is not about making this city a better place. That's, that's a byproduct. That's gonna happen. See, in this story, God has to ask this man, who's going to have what you've worked so hard for? Because there was nobody there for him to leave it to. We want to leave a legacy, but we have to live the legacy we want to leave. And that's not just an inheritance or handing down a family name or taking on the family business. That's a, that's a legacy of people who've been affected by your life because of how Christ has affected yours. When we come together as the church, before our city, it's not to make a better Hagerstown. We want a heaven's town. We want people knowing that their home is not this city. It's beyond here. So what I want to do right now is give you an opportunity to maybe refocus those eternal eyes. Maybe our eyes just drifted off of what matters most. Maybe today is the day that you say, I believe in eternity and I want it with Jesus. So right now, just take a moment and let's pray. Bow your head. What can you take your eyes off of today and refocus them on the home you have in eternity? How is it affecting your decisions? How is it affecting your relationships with people? 
you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, listen, this is what you need to do. Jesus is the son of the one and only God. We have sin that we're born in and he was willing to be nailed cruelly to a cross and buried in a tomb. God raised him miraculously from the dead so that we could have a new life now and in eternity. And if you want that today, I just want you to say one word. Say yes right now. Say yes. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the revealing of your word and thank you for focusing our eyes on eternity. God, we ask today that we would be a people in a city who wants to see heaven come. That the greatest of our crowns is the cross. Father, we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.